again. Good morning, and uh, thanks for being here, and thanks for looking in on our broadcast, if you are looking in. Thank you for that. Uh, we are in the Gospel of John, and going through uh, the Gospels chronologically, and we are in uh, chapter 14, so get your Bibles opened up to chapter 14 and your writing materials and stuff. We have a topic here today that's a very important topic and we aren't going to exhaust it at all. We just have a couple points that we want to bring out and some things about it. And uh, we'll start off with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for this time for us to look into your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word never changes. The Bible being the word of God. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would help us. Uh, dear Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand these things and apply these things that we look at here today. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in chapter 14. We'll back up a bit. One of the laws of the teacher is repetition. So you wonder why we go over things and over things. It's what we have to do. We uh, build upon what we have already learned and such. So we go back and just do a review and things like that. That's what they call one of the seven laws of the teachers. I, I don't remember what the rest of them are. I remember that one. Anyways, um, in chapter 14, we saw that the chapter 14 is, um, can the chapter right there where it says chapter 14 can be a hindrance to us. These things are added in, we know, to make it easy for us to find portions of Scripture. But for us, one of the a great lesson for us is that don't stop when you come to um, a chapter and just don't stop reading. You might find as we do here that if we do that we're going to miss something very important because we see that the Lord Jesus has just said to Peter. Now the other disciples did not know who the one was that was going to betray. They didn't have any idea it was Judas. Judas hid it very well. He was very deceitful and hid that. And then you have at the end of chapter 13 when the Lord says to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning there. And you imagine how Peter must have felt in that. And you imagine how, uh, how the others would have thought and they would have been shocked and such. Now if we stop right there, it just leaves the whole thing hanging. But the conversation continues in chapter 14 and verse 1. That's why I say you take that, just put your hand over that where it says chapter and just keep reading on. Uh, you, you'll, you'll get a, a, a tremendous blessing uh, um, by seeing how the things uh, unfolds better. He says, let not your heart be troubled, because they were troubled. Peter was certainly troubled. Wouldn't you be troubled if the Lord said to you, you're going to deny me three times? What a thing, eh? Especially when he's been told them several times about the one of you is going to betray me. Now, we looked at the word betray and deny, the two separate words, two separate things entirely. But he continues on in, in chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Now, uh, we looked at some aspects of that. He wants them to, um, to look to him. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. There's many people believe in God. Many people believe in God. That doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get you to heaven. Doesn't, 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 that doesn't work. It's Jesus Christ you have to see, the Son of God, who went to the cross of Calvary. Amen. Okay. Not making, uh, taking anything away from, from God the Father. But the Bible says, and it shows us later on, it says that the, Jesus says to them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It was God on that cross in a man's body. That's what took place. 
But he said, uh, you believe in God and believe also in me. And there's some, maybe some people listening in here today and you're in some other denomination. Denomination won't save you either. Jesus Christ will, okay? You've got to believe in Christ. He's the one that was on the cross. He's the one that paid for your sins. That was the Son of God. God the Son died on that cross, shed his blood and rose from the dead on the third day. Look to Him, trust in Him, believe in Him. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then we looked at, in my Father's house are many mansions. The word means dwellings, okay? And He says, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, a place in the Father's house. Now, what we want to do today is look at verse 3, and there's a portion of verse 3 here. We want to just take that thing and just talk about a few things in regards to this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So let's just stop at that right there. He says, he's saying to them, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but you know what? I'm going to come back at some time. I'm going to come back at some time, and I'm going to bring you into my presence. You're going to be with me. Now when did he do that? didn't yet, did he? This is the second coming of Jesus Christ he's talking about. He's going to come back. He didn't come and gather them. Those people died off and such. And, uh, and almost 2,000 years later, he hasn't come back. You'll note some people will say, well, we're in the tribulation and all this stuff and all these things have happened. I say, well, wait a minute. Um, the Lord hasn't come back. I'd like to talk to him if he's here. Like, where is he? Is he in Jerusalem? You know, is he in Toronto or Los Angeles? Where is he? He came back. Where is he? He has not come back. The time is not fulfilled. The time of the Gentiles is not over yet. It's not time for that last seven years. It's not yet time. There will come a time when he will come back. He will come in the clouds. He says he'll come in the clouds and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall meet the Lord in the air. We should be jumping up and down, folks. This is amazing. Amazing what's going to happen. The power of God to resurrect the dead and to change us, and we're going to be, we're going to be there with Him. That's an amazing thing. One of the reasons for that is that uh, He tells us in the Bible, and particularly in, you, you look at, I think it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, partway through that it talks about that the believer is not appointed unto wrath because that seven year period of time that's coming along a big portion of that is the wrath of God now why are the believers not subject to, to, to wrath why is a born again Christian not subject to the wrath of God that's going to come upon this earth and that he's going to remove us from because Jesus Christ suffered the wrath of God the Father on the cross of Calvary for our sins that's what took place. When you accept Him as your Savior, He took all that. He took our sins. He took the punishment. He took everything that we would live. He says, and you know what? And when it's time for that to happen, I'm going to come and get you under there. Now, we're not going to look today at when that time is. No man knows the hour. He says that we can know uh, roughly what's going on. We can know the events that are taking place and that you need to watch and this and this is going to happen first and so on and so, so forth. We want to look at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and just consider it, uh, the two parts of it. He's going to come in the air, first of all, to remove his people, isn't he? 
Bible says he's going to do that. Okay. Uh, some people don't believe that. Well, I don't. I can't say anything to that. I mean, if you don't read your Bible, I, I feel sorry for you. You can't read it because it's very clear. Maybe you've got some other problems you need to get straightened out first so you can understand the Bible. It's spiritually discerned. And you can't discern it unless you trust it in Christ and you have the Spirit of God indwelling in you. You won't, you won't get it. Okay? But the, the, um, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back um, near the beginning of that uh, uh, seven-year period. I think, it, and from what the Bible teaches us, it's going to be somewhere within the first two years somewhere within the first but we won't get into that right now he's going to come in the clouds and he's going to call his people out and the second part of that is later on after the wrath of God has been poured out upon this world near the end of that seven years he's going to actually physically come to earth that's chapter 19 of Revelation and he's going to gather the armies of the world together at Armageddon there's going to be a terrible terrible thing happen you read about that in chapter 19 of Revelation it's just going to be terrible and the wrath of God all through that. But the Lord Jesus, he got that seven-year period, not at the very beginning of that seven years, but part way through it. The Bible tells us very clearly about that, that he's going to be there. You read uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, where the wrath of God is said to start, or is going to start. There's been some stuff happened before that, and Jesus Christ won't be doing that until first the sun is darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And uh, uh, then the sign of the Son of Man shall be seen in the heavens, and then he's going to gather his people. Well, that's after a lot of stuff has happened. That's after five seals have been opened. The sixth seal is the, uh, 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 I believe this correctly, or understand, remember it rightly, is the uh, 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 sun being darkened. So he's going to come in the, in the clouds. And later on, he's going to come right to the earth, right down to the earth. Actually, when he touches down on the earth, it says that the earth is going to, it's going to split like a mountain. There's going to be a, a gulf, a valley from north to south right there. Um, we're going to look at that today. And we want to look at some of the um, problems that some people have with that. Um, in particular, I want you to go over to Second uh, Thessalonians <coughs> chapter 2. Now, we've looked at this many times. We're going to look at it. Uh, for something a little different here, that must not. I guess we say it's different here this morning. It would be Second Thessalonians, chapter two, one of the clearest portions of Scripture in regards to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at something right here and look at a uh, title of something. We go to Second Thessalonians, chapter two, and verse one says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." Okay, so some people would say, well, is this him coming to the earth or coming in the clouds? Well, it tells us. It tells us. He says, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. I don't know about you, but that seems awfully clear to me. The Bible says many times he's going to come in the clouds. He's going to gather his people before the wrath is poured out. You've got to get the believers out of here. At the, at the, at the end of the time of the Gentiles is completed and so on and so forth. Okay? by our gathering together unto him. So this cannot, by that, you cannot say, well, that's the second coming when he comes to the earth and that's Armageddon and all that. No, because we're taken out before that. Because if you get to Armageddon, you've got all the wrath of God to face there. We've got to be out of here before that. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is him coming in the clouds. 
All right? He says, now look at verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Don't you be worried about anything that comes to you by way of person or whatever, letter, a spirit or whatever. He's not coming back until two things happen. Okay? But that's not what we want to look at here this morning. We want to look at the end of verse 2 where it says, uh, as by letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. I want to look at that this morning and just look at the day of Christ. Now, as we mentioned earlier, there's two aspects, if we could use the word aspects, you know what I mean, to the Lord's coming. He's going to come in the clouds, and then he's going to come to earth. Okay? Uh, and we want to look at uh, uh, this day of Christ. We see that there. It's a very, very clear description of what's going to take place. Now, as I study, I study the Bible and I read things and uh, uh, books and stuff and what other people have written and all this kind of stuff and, and I hear things, there's uh, uh, many people do not agree with what I'm going to say right here. But I'm just going to say what's going to let the Bible speak. And I say to people, if I could show you from Scripture that this is this and this is this, will you accept it? Amen. You know, and some people choke on the word no. But they won't accept anything because they've already had their minds made up on some particular thing because that's what we believe. That's what that's what uh, that's what our denominational uh, denomination says. That's what everybody says. Majority of people. Well, I'm glad that uh, Noah didn't care about the majority of people in that sense. That he did what God said. He built the ark and stood up there and he preached to them, and they didn't. Uh, they didn't listen. The word, if the word of God says this, that, and the other thing, that's it. Is that final? Is that good enough for you? Amen. Is that good enough for your life that the word of God is your absolute final authority and there will be no individual that can tell me otherwise? Okay? When we look at the day of Christ versus the day of the Lord. Okay, and I just want to uh, show you these two things. Now, if you've got uh, writing material, you write down, you look up these references yourself later. Um, you have here in Second uh, um, Thessalonians chapter two verse two it says the day of Christ, okay, and in Philippians one six it says the day of Christ. We want to determine and see what is the day of Christ. Well, we just said we already know what it is because he's already tells us. Context is everything, okay. The context here says that it's the gathering. It's Jesus Christ in the clouds to gather his people. So we know then the wrath is coming pretty soon then, isn't it? We know that that's what the, this, is, this is taking place. We know that from this one uh, verse in Thessalonians that the gathering is called the day of Christ. It's his day to get his people. Okay? The day of the Lord is something different. You read it, and I want you to study it yourself. You don't take my word for it. You take what the Spirit of God shows you right here and what it says right there in the Bible. Okay? You can look in your Bible, there it says that right there. You don't have to believe me, and I don't want you to. I want you to, to, to look at, well, I want you to believe what I'm saying, but I want you to believe what the Word of God says, eh? That you study it for yourself, and you'll see, oh, look at that. The day of Christ, okay, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Um, the day of the Lord Jesus, 1 Corinthians 5, 5. 2 Corinthians 1, 14. 
Now we have something else called the Day of the Lord. If you go into the Old Testament, it'll be a good study for you sometime. Go into the Old Testament and look up the Day of the Lord and those things. You'll see that it's a, it's that time of wrath. It's heavy-duty stuff going to come on this world. But we have in the New Testament the Day of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 5.2. We have also uh, 1 Peter 3.10. Wait a minute. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read these to you. Just, yeah, let me just read them to you really quickly. The day, back up. Well, we just read 2 Thessalonians there, uh, Philippians 1 6, being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. It comes in the clouds, okay? Now, the day of the Lord Jesus, 1 Corinthians 5 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. It comes in the clouds, right? The day of Christ, the day of the Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.14, even also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay? And then we have in 1 Thessalonians 5.2, the day of the Lord mentioned, for, you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Okay? Uh, the day of wrath, Romans 2.5, <coughs> but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasure up, treasures treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Okay? This is talking about that uh, period of time in that seven years called the, the wrath of God, which is the trumpets and the vials, or the bowls, whatever you want to call it. We go on to uh, Joel, the Old Testament, 2.31. There's lots more. There's a whole list of them. I'm just taking a few here. Um, <coughs> Joel 2.31, this is called the great and terrible day of the Lord. So it's showing us what that day of wrath is like. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Hey, that sounds like Revelation chapter 6, doesn't it? Verse 12. Yeah, because it's the same thing. Same thing happening. Something's going to start there, okay? Uh, Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. I won't read the whole verse, but I'll just give you the idea of what's going on. It's called the great day of the Lord. And in Zephaniah, he says, it's a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. It's the wrath of God. So you can see or should be able to see from these few verses that there's a great difference between Jesus coming in the clouds and gathering his people than the wrath of God for the unbelievers that, 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 at that time. Okay? One is for God's people who have trusted in Christ. The rest is for all those that don't and won't and will not trust Christ. You're going to be here upon this earth when Jesus comes back and the thing starts to unfold, the wrath of God. You're going to suffer through that. You're going to go, you read chapter 8 on through there. You'll see what's going to happen in this old world. So we see that great difference in these two things in the day of the Lord versus the day of Christ. I hope you can see that. I know we've rushed through it, but it's very important to see it. Now we're going to look at something that's, I don't know about you, but I find it very disturbing that people would take that and turn it around to make it mean something else just so it will um, uh, uh, bolster their particular doctrine on this, on these things here, mm -hmm. okay? And turn it around. Um, 
we see that there's a great difference here in these two, uh, these two things. Uh, the day of Christ is to gather His people. It's for believers. The day of the Lord is for the unbelievers. It's going to be this punishment on this earth. Nobody gets away with anything. God's going to come back. He says He's going to shake the earth. And the heavens, the stars are going to fall. It's going to be terrible. Awful. The only way out of it is trust in Jesus Christ. He paid for all of your sins in the cross of Calvary. Amen. Amen. There's going to be upheavals. There's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be persecutions. And that's just the first bit before Christ comes. Then the sun's going to be darkened. The sign of Christ in the skies. The removal of believers. The wrath of God will be poured out. And then Jesus at Armageddon and his physical return. You just pretty well covered up that seven years. Covered that seven years right there. But there's a problem here. There's a problem that, um, I, I shouldn't use the word many, I don't know of many, I haven't talked to everybody, but I see it's very common and very prominent and prevalent in even our circles and denominations and such. Um, one side note here, uh, I like to do word studies, you know we all should like to do word studies and see what the word is that the Spirit of God gave back at that particular time, okay? <clears throat> and when talking about the... Um, uh, the day of Christ, him coming in the clouds, we have a word, it's called, I don't know if I pronounce it, I don't pronounce it right, parousia, I don't know how to pronounce it. But that is the coming of the Lord Jesus. That word itself, in its definition, is an arrival and consequent presence with. Did you hear that? With that word parousia, you had, it's called, an, uh, the definition is, it's an arrival and consequent present with. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes in the clouds, right? The day of Christ, the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to be with us. We're going to be with him. Amen. We should shout hallelujah. But when you talk about the other thing, the um, coming of the Lord at near the end of the wrath of God, there's another word, apocalypsis, comes up. And I don't know if I said that right. There's derivatives of that too. Okay. It means it's a it's a it's a revealing of the revelation of God and God's revelation of God's purpose and plan in the second coming of Christ. That is to judgment. Okay. It just did those words. The coming of the Lord mentioned in the for the clouds means to gather together, and the other is has to do with judgment. Well, that should tell you that there's two different things here, and tells you which which one they are. Okay. I want to. Uh, and we know that when you study your Bible, context is everything. Okay? Context is everything. You can read these uh, verses in Thessalonians, and if you don't get the context, you can insert all kinds of things and put in whatever you want. But the context is the day of Christ, which is the gathering. That's what it says. Now, I want to read you something from a, an encyclopedia. This is a Christian thingy. Um, and it's actually out of our own denomination and such. And I want to, but they say, um, some, what's taking place is they want so badly to hold on to uh, pre-tribulation rapture. I wish it was true too. Okay, I really do. But it's not substantiated in the Word of God. You can't give me one verse to substantiate it. The day of Christ. Now I want you to listen to what this fellow says. Okay, and this is a very prominent individual. 
And this stuff goes out to teach all of God's people that there's an error here. The day of Christ. The period of time when Christ will take control of the world through judgment and his second coming. Just a minute. The day of Christ is the time when he'll come and take control of the world through judgment and his second coming. You hear that? We had just seen and just gone over, you have the day of Christ, it's clear, it's coming in the clouds to gather. You have the uh, coming to the earth in judgment, way down in the wrath of God near the end. Mm -hmm. They're saying, oh no, 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 this portion right here, this is in reference to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and these verses we just looked at, is no, 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 the day of Christ is, is that time of judgment. No, it's not. We already went over that. I mean, how many times did we go over that? It's an absolute error to say that. Either they do not understand the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, which is a companion book. It's interesting that they're both the 27th books of the Old Testament and the New, eh? Never mind. Uh, or I find it hard to believe that people would do that deliberately, but they want to maintain a certain particular thing. So they have to take this thing as so so absolutely clear about Christ coming in the clouds and they're going to call it something else because it interferes with what they believe in the coming of Christ. Let me just read this. And he says here, um, if, if the day of Christ in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 refers to the rapture of the church-age saints, it would teach that it does not occur until after the appearance of the Antichrist. But that's what it's teaching. That no man deceive you by any means. That day. What day? The day of Christ. It will not come. The Bible says it will not come. How could anybody say that, that that's an error? You're saying that the Bible's in error. You're saying the Spirit of God is in error. That's blasphemy, brother. That's absolute blasphemy to say that the Spirit of God just lied or something. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Sometimes you have to say that, yeah, I was wrong in that. The Lord shows us something different. shows us what His Word says. You see, there's something going on here, folks. You've got what the Spirit of God teaches, or you have what man teaches. You've got what the Spirit of Truth says, or you have the Spirit of Error. Okay? Let me just pick up here where we left off. If the day of Christ in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 to, 2, verses 1 to 3, refers to the rapture of the church age saints it would teach that it does not occur until after the appearance of the Antichrist. Yeah. This, these, these, the, the, the gathering won't happen, the day of Christ won't happen until the, the, uh, there's a great apostasy and the man of sin is revealed. Okay? Um, some use this passage as a proof text to support such a position. We do not believe the day of Christ refers to the rapture, though it refers rather to the day of the Lord, spoken of frequently in the Old Testament prophecy. Um, because if they don't want to believe it, because it will prove them wrong, and prove that the pre-tribulation rapture is wrong. And context has been left out. Um, and I read in uh, the school... The Schofield Study Bible, it says the day of Christ, and there's a note, a footnote, and in the, the 
the, the writings, the man's writings there, it says that the day of Christ is in air, it's the day of the Lord, and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. How, how does this happen? The people that are so, so rabid for the King James Bible will turn around and say, that's an error right there. That's an error, and it means the, the day of the Lord. Uh, that's hypocrisy. That's backwards. Now, our Bible here, uh, uh, you have basically your Bible, whatever Bible you're using right now, it came from one of two groups. The major group is called the majority text, about 95, some people say 98%, which is, that's quite a bit. Let's say it's 95% of all the Bible manuscripts that they have, okay? 95% of them agree together. Okay, that's where this Bible comes from, where King James came from. And apparently, I was reading it uh, not too long ago, that there's been about 20 different Bibles out of this uh, majority text. I, I was unaware of that. There's even other ones today floating around that are out of the majority text. We'll get into that right now. The rest of them come out of that little 5%. But that's the majority of the Bibles today. Majority of the new ones. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, North New American Standard and such says uh, it's the day of the Lord. Okay? Only the majority text says it's the day of Christ. And the uh, you'll read in the front of your um, Bibles, there's the ded dedication thing there, how the um, <coughs> translators look to the original languages. And, and the, uh, um, the uh, um, Greek that they looked Two for the New Testament is called the Received Text. Okay, I have a copy of the Received Text. You can go buy one; it's not a problem. And it says the Day of Christ. Mm -hmm. But they're saying these guys are saying, no, no, that that's wrong, because they want to support something else. But the problem here is, um, like, why? Or like, what's going on? Yeah, I can see how you want to support a particular doctrine. It sounds really nice. It sounds really good. Yeah, I'd want to be out of here before, before the Antichrist shows upon the scene, before that rider on the white horse, before the four horsemen, the five horse, or uh, the five uh, seals are open, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that'd be nice. It doesn't tell us that that's when it is, though. It tells us it's after that. How does this happen? How does wrong interpretation and doctrine come out of something so clear and so plain? It's either the day of Christ or it's either the, or the day of the Lord. It is a matter of which Bible you, you look at, because you're only going to have a received text, majority text Bible will say the day of Christ. Newer Bibles and such tell you it's the day of the Lord. That's all backwards, that's upside down. They've got, uh, they've, they've got them all mixed up so they could uh, hold to a particular doctrine that is an error. Hey, I used to believe that. I used to teach that until the Lord showed me clearly. Oh, oh, that's not right. Look at what this says. But more importantly than which Bible you're looking at, there's something even more important than that. You've got to have these two things together. You've got to have the Bible, and you've got to have the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. What voice are you listening to? 
What voice are you heeding? The Bible says in the... Um, and the Lord was telling the disciples that He was going to... That when He's going to go away and He's going to send the Comforter. He's going to send the Spirit of Truth and He shall lead you into all truth. That's pretty good. We've got our Bible. We've got the Spirit of Truth within us. We have to look to Him. We have to listen to Him. Because there's something else. There's a spirit of error in the world today. And I'm not saying that these men that oppose these things, I'm not saying they're bad men. I don't think they... I, don't, I just think they haven't studied it. Okay? But error is error. Okay? Error is error. You can't say that this thing is that and the other thing is that too. Or whatever. The spirit of error, what man writes down, okay? We have the day of Christ, the gathering, the rapture, is in the majority text, is the received text. You have the day of the Lord, it's the day of God's wrath, is in the minority text, says that in this passage. The Alexandrian texts, so on and so forth, we call them corrupt texts because they've been changed. These two days the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, are entirely different. Two complete, separate, distinct happenings. Okay? What's taking place often? Now, I'm going to mention study Bibles. And if you, does it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you have a study Bible. Got several. But I think there's a problem. There's a problem with study Bibles. I'm talking specifically with uh, Schofield's study Bible. It's easy, I'll read the, the quote to you here. It's easy to impose upon the human mind almost any desired interpretation of Scripture by simply putting the interpretation, so-called, alongside the Scripture text, like a study Bible. It is found that the reader's confidence in the Word of God is subconsciously transferred to the human explanation printed as a part thereof. And thus, the latter is accepted as authoritative interpretation of Scripture. And I think you'll find that's, that's true. We get um, that we would look to that thing before we look to the Spirit of God to teach us. You come across a passage in the Bible that you don't understand. What's the first thing we should do? We should run and find somebody who can tell us what it means. We should run and find a book that will tell us what it means. We should look into our study Bible and read man's text and man's words to see what it means. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Try this. This is very. This is this is a revolutionary. Try asking the Spirit of God what it means. Amen. Try asking Him. You're not going to get the answer right away. Perhaps sometimes you will. It may take a few days. May take a few weeks or whatever. We want instant gratification, even in this particular thing, and we'll take that thing. Well, this is what everybody else says. That's what this guy says. 
I don't care about that. Do you care about that? Yeah, people do. My point is that there's a spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, and there's a spirit of man, a spirit of error. Okay? We have to be careful. And that's what has happened to this one particular doctrine. When Jesus told them in, in uh, John chapter 14, in verse 3, that if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He's going to come back. And the big uh, kerfluffle is exactly when. But you can't take what's clear in the Bible. And the day of Christ is very, very clear. If you read it in other passages and you study that thing, you will see that the day of Christ, it's His day. It's the day of the Lord Jesus. His day. It's the day He's looking forward to. He's looking forward to coming in the clouds and gathering us up to Him. Amen. That's what He wants. God always wants to be with His people. He wants to fellowship with us. One of the first things the devil tries to get and damage in our Christian lives is our fellowship with God. If you don't do your uh, Bible reading and studying, if you don't pray and stuff, you're out of fellowship with God. God wants to fellowship with us. And he wants us to be with him. And Jesus looking for it's his day. The day of the Lord is the day of wrath. Go, I'm just saying, go read it. Read those verses. Go take your concordance and check out all the days of wrath, the terrible day, and all that stuff in the Old Testament. You'll see that it's something else. And how dare they say that? That that is what that is here. The day of Christ is that. How dare they say that? You can't do it. That's not the Spirit of God. Three. Anyway. Anyway. Just something to think about. So he says to them, And if I go and prepare a place for you, talking to the, his disciples, he's talking to those that believe on him, go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also that's the day of Christ that we're so looking forward to we better stop there let's pray Father we just want to thank you Lord for your grace upon us we thank you for this time we can look into the word and Lord teach us from the word and help us Lord if we have uh, ideas or doctrines or something that are not quite right that you'll show us from the word of God from your word, Lord, and we should heed your word and not man's. And we just pray, Lord, for those that take it and mix it up, Lord. Lord, I, I honestly don't believe that they would do that on purpose, Lord, but I don't know. But Lord, we just look to you and give thanks. We know we're not perfect. I know I'm not, Lord, but we are perfected, perfected in Christ, though. Lord, we just thank you for your grace upon us. And help us, Lord, as we study our Bibles. And indeed, let us be as the Bereans and search the Scriptures to see if these things are so. That you be glorified. And we look forward to the day of Christ. That day you're looking forward to, Lord Jesus, that we'll be with you. We want to thank you now. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us, folks. And Lord bless you. And we'll see you next time. Okay? Thank you very much.